Thanks for taking time to listen to this episode of The Real Rescue Podcast. Take a minute to go to therealrescue.com to check out these and other great deals from our sponsors here at The Real Rescue. This episode of The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And rescueswimmershop.com, official high quality apparel featuring the silhouette. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With the certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment. All you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast, The Real Rescue Podcast, and they'll take care of the rest. 15 years ago, photographer and Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 526, Chris Razor, created an iconic photograph. This photograph depicted the silhouette of a helicopter rescue swimmer reaching down for an outstretched hand in need against the American flag backdrop. The image went viral and became a symbol worldwide for the rescue community and the people they help. Its wild popularity inspired Chris to launch RescueSwimmerShop.com, a web store offering official high-quality apparel featuring his evocative image, The Silhouette. T-shirts, hats, patches, and stickers featuring The Silhouette are available at RescueSwimmerShop.com, including the flagship design, So Others May Live. Follow Chris and his story on Instagram with the handle at Rescue Swimmer Shop. And if you are a rescue swimmer, support rescue swimmers, or just tell people you are one at the bar, this gear is definitely for you. When you get to the website, rescueswimmershop.com, enter the promo code, all lowercase, one word, rescue, R-E-S-C-U-E, for 10% off your order. Our next guest is coming to us all the way from Australia. And one of the great parts about this conversation that I had with him is one of the stories that he actually talks about, I use in training all the time. And it was great to hear the backside of the story as far as what happened, recovery time, and 
what happened with the whole incident in itself. So great lessons learned and we get to talk about it here. So without further ado, please welcome my friend, Sam Fielder. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue Podcast. I've got another uh, guy down from the down under with me. Mr. Sam Fielder, air crewman, a helicopter rescue guy down there. I Actually, you have a whole bunch of roles. So, Sam, what's happening? How are you, mate? Good to be here. Dude, good having you. Thank you so much for coming on. And, and I, man, I, I love the stories that you guys have down there. So I'm really looking forward to having on this conversation with you. So, um, yeah, it's going to be fun. Sure, we can bring out a couple of good ones for you. One or two. One or two. I, I Yeah. Cause you mentioned a couple of things already and I'm like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for everybody else out there, if you don't mind, just kind of give yourself a little introduction, a little bit of background about you and how you got into search and rescue. Um, yeah. So I'm Sam. I'm from Australia. Um, originally from Adelaide, uh, which is central South Australia, as far as the map goes. Um, grew up around the water swimming, so uh, my family's got a fairly strong surf life-saving background. Well, with my kids now, it's four generations deep um, wow, playing nice. water polo and yeah, just always around the water. Um, yeah. And had been around surf life-saving for a bit, managed to um, get myself onto the um, down here in Adelaide. We had a, um, there's a surf rescue helicopter that sort of does shark patrol um, type work. Wait, and, I'm sorry, shark patrol. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sick. Yeah. yeah, you're not the bait There's, on the hook, right? I get it. Not deliberately. Oh, okay, no. okay, just checking. But no, so so they literally use the the um use the helicopter to basically muster the sharks out to see if one's sighted along a a swimming beach. So you come down low, push them out, and then hopefully that's them gone for the day. And um, wow, yeah, yeah. So I I'd gotten onto that and um sort of was giving up weekend time and stuff for that sort of thing. And then one day I just went and knocked on the door of the, the, um, the government contracted rescue helicopter and sort of, Hey, g'day, I'm Sam. How do I get paid to do this rather than not paid to do it over the road? And, um, they sort of said, Oh, they sort of chuckled at me and said, Oh, look, you won't, there's no entry level jobs going here, but, um, give us your name and your number and we'll get our chief crewman to get in touch. And, eventually had a chat to him and we sort of had a bit of a yarn and he sort of said, Oh yeah, look, keep in touch. We, um, we might have some stuff going in far North Queensland. It'll be entry level rescue swimmer type work, but it's still all a bit up in the air at the moment, but stay in touch. And we did. And one day he rang me out of the blue and just sort of said, look, the new contract signed and sealed the, um, the ad for the pilots runs next week. The ad for the crewman and rescue swimmers runs in a fortnight. Make sure you're ready and just sort of went through the process from there, the recruitment process, and um, was lucky enough to get one of the two spots that um, was on offer and away it went from there. Wow. All right. Nice. Now, like I talked to uh, Ben a little bit and a couple other guys, but give me a little rundown or everybody else a little rundown as far as like what you guys go through to be a rescue swimmer, uh, crewman, because you're also a hoist operator, crewman, 
paramedic off the top of my head? No, not a, not a paramedic, but yeah, okay. host operator, um, yeah, have been rescue swimmers. So um, it sort of depends where you are in Australia. So there's certain parts of Australia that um, the helicopter provider will also, um, they'll provide a rescue swimmer and a hoist operator. Um, in some parts of the country, there might be a, one of the state paramedics or the government paramedics that are then on the aircraft that, um, that perform the rescue swimmer role. And there's a couple of spots where those lines are blurred a little bit. So um, where I was working to start with, um, we, our, our private company, he provided the um provided the rescue swimmers um so we sort of had we were quite fortunate really because we were the start of a brand new contract that hadn't been in that location um cool. part of part of the contract had a dedicated training block at the start which isn't super common in the commercial world so we were fortunate that we had um two big blocks of time um split up by christmas and new year break um with the aircraft that was getting ready to go onto the contract so we weren't competing for um, in between operational jobs that our training was getting delayed and the like, and we we're just able to be sort of, for the most part, isolated by ourselves and just focus on basically learning the gear, learning the drills and um, getting flogged in the pool, really. We're sort of the nuts and bolts, <laughs> but really. I'm sorry. Getting flogged in the pool is like, I, I've never heard it said like that. That is hilarious and so <laughs> accurate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh you've just made my day thank you i'm glad <laughs> <laughs> right on oh i like that all right so now once you guys get through your stuff and you're now standing duty what was your very first case um so the um the contract we were on was not just search and rescue but aeromedical as well um so the um we had a lot of false starts as far as my first winch job. We'd sort of get out, get tasked on a search, get out there and a police launch that would be on the search as well. It'd nip in just as everyone had spot him and we're like, ah, oh, and you know, you'd come home, come home ripped off that the, the guy was recovered by the boat rather than getting to do the first winch. Um, yeah. Yeah. That happened quite a bit. And um, unfortunately, and then um, yeah, the first one, it was sort of nothing, nothing super, um, super crazy a, um, a guy had he'd had motor trouble he'd been adrift I think he'd been adrift for sort of overnight sort of thing um, he was traveling from point a to point b point a thought he'd already gotten there point b assumed he hadn't left yet and then when they'd spoken to each other like oh no hang on he's left oh and he's not here and sort of ra raised the alarm and the seas were pretty calm it was just a good strong breeze and he drifted a fair way off track and um, yeah it was pretty simple and straightforward really winch found the vessel which down he was sort of six or so meter runabout fishing vessel and um yeah strop recovery up to the aircraft and took him home which oh, was easy. yeah yeah not nothing super fantastic to write home about but at the same time it was good to have something simple and straightforward to get under the belt yeah well I, you know what and in, in to get started with something like that is is great because it's it's everything you've been training so, you, yes. you know, like, I mean, we all remember our first case, or most of us remember our first case and, you know, like, like, oh, oh, this is training. Yeah, this is just like training, only it's real life. But your anxiety is a little higher, your, your adrenaline's kicking, you're like, yeah, let's do this. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was good in that way, you know, brand, brand new, pretty fresh and green to not have to try and reinvent the wheel and use much initiative and just go, okay, cool. This is just like, nice. this is just as procedural as we've learned it. Don't have to depart too much left or right to make it work. And yeah, worked out pretty well. Nice. I was waiting for you to tell me that, you know, you were lowering down a mechanic and some parts and tools with a, you know, a couple couple liters of fuel and say, all right, get that boat going. Let's go. <laughs> nah, I, I am not the guy you want fixing your outboard. Not at all. <laughs> not mechanical. Oh, that's funny. Nice. Right on. Well, that's a good way to start the career. So now you, uh, you have a couple memorable things that have happened throughout. How long have you been doing this? Uh, so that would have been December 20. 2007 it would have been that we kicked off so it's, that's coming up 14 14 years roughly um so yeah yeah been been a little while now and seen a few few funny things and you know as as we all have as we were talking about before you sort of see the the odd thing that you sort of get to and you go oh how, how, how how's this come about but um yeah you know there's <laughs> totally <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I'm all ears, my friend. Go ahead. Oh, you, um, you know, I've certainly done, you know, I'm not someone who I haven't done any super, super massive, enormous seas rescues or anything like that. And, you know, in the scheme of things of rescue swimmers around the world, I've, you know, I doubt, I doubt that my, many of my jobs are anywhere close to being record breaking or, you know, that sort of amazing thing. I think probably from, um, from my side of my career, the two, the two big standouts are probably the, the two accidents that I've been in, unfortunately, and put a bit of a, put a bit of a negative spin on it. But yeah, you know, they're the two standouts. And so um, two accidents. Yeah, two. Yep. One of the guys I started with sort of used to say, oh, you're as safe as houses. No one's ever crashed three times. And I'd turn around and say, yeah, but. <laughs> And only only those of us that have crashed twice can do it. So, uh, <laughs> so when you say accidents, you're talking. Uh, let's see, you were in the air and you mandatory on the ground. Uh yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. a that's a pretty good way to put it. So, um, <laughs> so takeoffs are optional. Landing mandatory. Yeah, well, <laughs> technically, on the first one, the aircraft still made a deliberate landing. Uh, um, so the first one was probably um. What was that? That was back in November 2009. Uh, so two just very different um, different accidents. So the first one was a um, basically the cable got sheared. Um, All right, on hold, hold on, hold on. All right, back up, back up, back up. Are you on a case or are you on training? Uh, task, yeah, on a live task. Okay, okay. The alarm goes off. What do you got? Okay, so um, so the task was a. Um, it was the recovery of a crewman on a container ship. He'd had a heart attack. Okay. We got a phone call saying, look, we need you um, from the coordination center, the national coordination center. Look, we need you to, uh, to recover um, this unwell crewman. Um, but at that stage, the vessel was a long way out of our range. So it was a pre-booked sort of task. They said, yep. look, you're, um, I think they sort of rang they rang us with the initial phone call at some point before lunchtime, probably 10, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. And I don't think we sort of planned to be overhead until maybe around the four o'clock in the afternoon mark. So we had, Oh wow. We had a bunch of notice cause it was, 
it was a long way out, um, which I guess, you know, for you, for your listeners not in Australia, there's a fair bit of remote coastline away from population centres in Australia. So, you know, there's plenty of times where that happens at bases around the country where they'll ring you up and say, oh, yeah, look, there's a vessel coming along, but it's not in your it's not going to get to you or to somewhere that you can do something about it and for a few hours time just because of the, the distances. So um, we planned the task. Um, we were, the pick the meet point was going to be about 70 miles, 130 kilometres um, out to sea from where, from where our base was. Um, fuel was going to be not critical, but we weren't going to have stacks of time. Yeah, um, 20 minutes overhead. on scene is usually when this, yeah. uh, you know, and that's not getting into your reserves, but that's 20 minutes of work is kind of the average with all of us that I've, that I've been around of on scene time. Yeah. So, and that was sort of what we'd worked on is that we knew we were definitely going to have 20 minutes and that was sort of at the conservative burn rate yeah. of fuel. So we, you know, that was probably going to blow out a little bit, but it also wasn't going to be a lot. Um, so we, planned we got the paramedic sorted um ready to go we punched out out to meet this vessel um got out there um got overhead the vessel that position the um, crew member to right at the nose of this container ship it was the only clear clear area on the deck um in the past we had winched off of bridge wings um yeah. but given our time on head and it was a 300 meter vessel getting getting the patient 300 metres back up the boat and up six or seven storeys of stairs up to the bridge wing wasn't going to be an option. So we're kind of committed to, to this open clear area at the nose. Um, the plan had been to winch myself and the paramedic out um, with a stretcher down onto the vessel, get the patient packaged up. The paramedic would have attended with the stretcher as we recovered the stretcher. Then I was going to bring up the remainder of the gear um, as the last last man off the boat and if time had run out it already briefed that i was going to be staying on board until it got closer to port and i might have gotten off on a marine pilot transfer vessel or or the like as it came as it got closer um so we, we started the winch out started to deploy onto the ship and unfortunately the pilot lost hover references so he started a he started a drift um the drift wasn't arrested quickly enough i guess you'd say and we myself and the paramedic were on the cable and the cable got dragged across the king post at the front of the at the front of the vessel um so you know a crow's nest looking thing at the front of the ship yeah and basically the cable dragging across along the ship um along the post it caught a bracket and just sheared straight through the cable oh um, god so um yeah so that myself and the paramedic have fallen um roughly 15 meters 50 feet or so um 50 feet roughly yeah oh um, my god straight down straight down onto the deck um now I put the I, post. real quick i i because i'm visualizing right now a container ship and you're at the very bow of the ship and yeah. i i know what you're talking about with that crow's nest right there there's not a clear area like underneath there's there's anchors and there's chains and there's tie down spots. And so that Holy moved, that moved. Yeah. So I, I hit a post on the way down. They had cleared oh. some of that out. I think the area that we sort of had to work with was about four by four. 
um, off the top of my head, um, four meters by four meters or what's yeah. that, 12? Yeah, 12 close enough. 12 foot or so. yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what you get when you grow up with a bell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I live in a metric company, but fly in an Imperial helicopter. Yeah, you know what? Oh, um, good. It, it's, it's easy to translate like across the world. Everybody's like, oh, oh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the, the cable sheared, we fell to the deck. Um, and all of a sudden, myself and the paramedic became far more serious than the, par than the patient that we'd gone to retrieve. Um, the, the aircraft um, remained overhead, um, recovered. Uh, what was left of the cable, um, spoke with the vessel, ensured that they um, they got their medical medical staff to start start treating us, and then they started heading for home. Not only because of fuel, but because there wasn't anything they could be doing from there. Right. Um, on on return back to the aircraft, um, back to base, the um, the engineers when they were looking over the aircraft, they found out, and you know the aircraft was actually lucky to make it back because although it had sheared where we were and it was only sort of 10 or 20 centimeters above the, above the hook where it had sheared, yeah. um, the cable had actually recoiled into the disc. So, oh my God. So, the end, so the end of the cable that the hoist operator stowed wasn't actually the, the section of the cable that had come away from the hook and that there was a length, there's a length somewhere at the bottom of the ocean that it had put creases along the, um, the main rotor and put a puncture hole in um in the tail rotor holy um, smoke so i mean fortunately it was a bell and you know the hueys took plenty of uh got plenty of holes in them early <laughs> early yeah. early on yeah. in their careers and yeah so they Tested. made it back they did yeah they had they had no idea until it was on the ground um they didn't feel anything um so they were really lucky they then um they tasked the uh, there was a second aircraft on the base, they tasked that aircraft to go and recover the paramedic because he was the most serious and got him off in a way to, a way to hospital. And then they inserted a paramedic to treat me on the vessel until we got closer. And I was recovered off with the paramedic as it went past when a Marine pilot transfer vessel was close enough to, to get us off of the boat. Um, Holy smoke, man. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't sort of how the, you know, we, we were all pretty excited. Oh, cool. We get to go and do a ship winch today. And yeah, not how, by the end of the end of the day, it wasn't it sort of as excited and pumped as we thought we'd put thought we'd be. You think? Yeah. <laughs> a 50 foot fall might do that to you, man. Yeah. 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 It, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it was pretty significant The I took a fair bit of damage, um, damage myself. They got me back to the, um, the local hospital by boat. Um, the area that we're in is a series of islands. So there was only a small hospital there. They sort of checked me out and then got me flown, flown off the island to, to a larger, a larger hospital. I was there for, I was probably three or four days maybe. And then I got moved to a major capital city hospital um, to get the post or post accident operations and stuff done. So I, I'm going to dive in a little bit deeper as far as uh, injuries to yourself. Like what, cause I mean, you're talking surgery, so they're fixing stuff, putting plates in or rods or whatnot. What, what were the, yeah. So, um, so I, on my fall, I fell down as I was falling, I clipped a post, which spun me onto my side. So all of my damage was right side 
Um, I was knocked out, but at least the doctors tell me I don't have any anything going on in my head. Friends may tell me otherwise, but uh, but but um, yeah. So it's you know, that dark humor out. coming out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So there was a, con- a, a minor concussion, but um, nothing major there. I cracked the helmet rather than my head, so it did its job. Um, I had multiple fractures through my through my shoulder um, and collarbone, scapula, a couple of fractured ribs, uh, shattered my elbow um, with some nerve damage there, and there was there was a lot of bruising through the hip. No one was ever able to identify a fracture, but it took a, it took a long time for the hip to sort itself out, and I think. If there was anything there, it was, it was in place and mended, mended itself. Um, but yeah, so most of the damage is contained to my right arm and shoulder, um, ongoing, um, bit of nerve damage through the ulna as well. Holy smoke, man. Wow. Well, I, I'm, I mean, I'm glad that you got to the good help you needed. That's, that's not how the day was expected to go. Holy cow. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and I was lucky, you know. I got I got some really good treatment from from some really good some really good people. Um, I was I was put onto a fantastic surgeon in Brisbane where I had where I had my surgery. A um, couple of complications because Brisbane wasn't where I was living, so I then got handballed onto another surgeon in my home hometown. But um, yeah, the recovery went well. Fantastic physio. Um, I actually didn't remember it. I was probably pressing the morphine button a bit too often. But um, the surgeon, the surgeon that, that had done the work, had said to, had had, had told me apparently that no, nah, there's no way you're going back to work. This isn't, you know, this is a this is a showstopper. Um, you know, I've put it all back together, but no, it's it's not going to work. And yeah, so I I didn't actually know that that had been said, um, even though there was only he and I in the room, and there was no one else he was talking to. Um, so yeah, I came back. I came back home, um, turned up to a local physio and said, look, this is what, this is what's going on. This is what I need to be able to do. And he went, Oh, okay. We'll get to work. And, um, you know, I just treated the rehab like work cause I didn't have anything else to do. And, um, and eventually I had a couple of issues with the surgeon here at home. You know, I wasn't his patient. He'd just been referred. So, you know, he wasn't as invested as someone that would have, you know, as the guy that had repaired me, yeah, would have been understood. Um, so I eventually got managed to convince the um, the work cover or um, workers workers insurance agency to send me back to the surgeon uh, for some follow ups um, interstate, and I, I sort of turned up and I said, "Oh yeah, look, you know, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing so far. Um, what are you sort of thinking for a return to work date?" And he's looked at me. He's gone. Do you not do you not remember our discussions? What discussion? He said, oh, I told you this isn't happening. And I've sort of turned white. He's gone, but based on what you've done, I can't see how you're not going back to work. And I thought, oh, cool. There's a bit of ignorance is bliss. And um, <laughs> you know, I, I, just, I, just, I, just spent the la- I just spent the last sort of four or five months just thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going back to work. And that's just what's happening. And, yeah, he, he wasn't ever expecting to see me again because he didn't think it was, uh, yeah, he didn't think it was going to happen. Um, so yeah, a lot of hard yards, um, just slow, slow incremental gains. Um, I've spent a lot of time on the Xbox. 
a lot of time. <laughs> so but, you're um, professional at Halo? You know, people uh, are getting yeah, paid I, for that. Right? Yeah. You should have just stuck with that. As good as I should, nowhere near <laughs> as good as I should be for the amount of time I've spent playing it. Um, but yeah, and I, uh, you know, I, I sort of, I thought it worked out quite well. I said to the work, workers insurance, I said, look, I'm going to have to do a fitness test when I get back. Um, you know, the more I sit around doing nothing is, you know, the longer I'm going to be sitting on your, your insurance claim. Can you get me an exercise bike? I said, oh, oh yeah, I guess that's something we could look at. And I, I convinced him to get one of those, you know, those sitting back ones, the, yeah. the layback ones. Yeah. So, I'd, so I, my wife would go off to work and I'd just basically get onto my layback exercise bike and I'd just sit there playing Call of Duty, pedaling away like all day just pedaling it you're charging along. the tv yeah yeah yeah, yeah almost oh, yeah oh almost. the tv's going up pedal faster pedal yeah, faster yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it was that sort of thing and then you know my wife started pointing out that if i was trying to take a sniper shot i wasn't realizing that my legs had come to almost a halt and then they'd start up again as i tried the shot and <laughs> but yeah so you know i spent a lot of hours just sort of ticking over yeah ticking over because i didn't have anything else to do you know i couldn't run yeah. The shoulder was still too unstable. I couldn't run, couldn't swim. So it was just rehab exercises and pedaling away on this exercise bike to, yeah, to get me, get me back. Sam, holy cow. All right. So first of all, I'm going to mention this right now. That doctor did not realize he was dealing with a rescue swimmer. I'm just saying, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm just no, saying. No, he didn't. <laughs> yeah. So doc, next time ask what we do, because that's the answer you're going to get boom yeah well yeah and it was funny like as i was getting assessed to go back like there are a couple of the insurance doctors that are like oh you know is this hurting and they actually called me out and said no you're bluffing on all of this pain because you wouldn't be going back to work if if you were dealing with this pain i was like yeah but like i just could not get through to them you know the passion about what it is we do so right. you know, i'm like no yeah 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 there's a bit of discomfort there at the moment but it's not discomfort enough to not do this really cool thing that we do and yeah they it just it just didn't fit their models and they're like they were for a little while they were a bit hesitant about oh well we shouldn't be letting clearing you for work if you're saying you've got this sort of pain um but yeah anyway we got we got around it and got back there and got through the got through the training and all the return to work stuff and and away we moved and you are it it went back to flying and hoisting and swimming and yeah yeah, so I actually did my um just badass. I actually did my hoist operators training as part of the light duties um for like while I was progressing back to work. So once I'd sort of said, Yeah, look, you can you can be starting to do bits and pieces, we sort of went, oh, okay, cool. Work said, look, here's an opportunity. Let's, you know, you can you can start operating the hoist, you know, shot bag only, weight bag, not moving people around yeah. at that point. What uh, just, what um, shoulder was damaged, right or left? I, sorry. Right. Your right, right shoulder. So that is all your movements on the cable too, because they're your hands on the yeah. cable. So your pendant is yep. in your left hand. Yep. Your your manipulated cable. So you're you're having to really work that shoulder. Yeah. Yep. Dang. Gotcha. Yeah. No, well, I that's mean, in, training in itself. Like Yeah, in hindsight, it was really good because it got me it got me back flying without doing the high intensity stuff that the swimming role took. So right. you know, it was it was just a good it was a good progression as far as the rehab went to, you know, not have been away from the aircraft for quite as long as it could have been had I not done that before being fit and ready to, to jump back on the cable. Yeah. Wow. Can I come back to the actual 
accident. Can we, can we debrief that a little bit? Yeah, sure. All right. So uh, first question, I, and I already have the answer to this, but I, I, I'd like to make this a discussion point because people don't, sure. they don't quite understand exactly what no reference refers to. Yep. All right. Yep. So your pilot is in a hover and has a reference point that he's looking at at the very tip of the bow of the bow of the ship and the yep. rest after that is nothing but water right yes so yeah. at what point what what happened where he lost reference because you said he started moving backwards and that's so what happened do we know uh i don't um so i'm, I'm missing a fair bit of memory over that that um that period it was sort of well, i say a fair bit there's probably three hours pre-accident that I'm missing and most of the maybe six or so hours of fuzzy memories that I think is mostly from the ketamine um, that the paramedics gave me afterwards. Um, but yeah, so basically because of the small, uh, my understanding of it is there was a small, he only had a small point that he was fixating on and um, to make sure he was moving at this, because obviously the vessel was underway. So right. to make sure he's moving at the same same rate as a vessel as as he's moved overhead the winch point that's taken the nose or the bow of the ship underneath his instruments yes and he was and he was relying completely on the on the conning and the calls of the crewman or the hoist operator in the back it's at that point where he's either his thought is moving forward he's not because he's looking at the waves on the water and as you as you know you know when you've only got waves it's tricky to pick whether you're moving forward or whether the waves are moving past you. Right. Um, so just that, that optical illusion has created, created a bit of a drift backwards. Um, the ATSB or the, the, your equivalent of the NTSB um, yep. report sort of indicates that the hoist operator called that there was a drift. He's put some forward input in to try and arrest that. It didn't change much. He's called again, but by the time the second call went in and the forward input went in, we'd already, we'd already connected with that post. Wow. And, you know, and you know, talking about the size of the area that we're, we're we were trying to winch to, you know, there's there's fractions of seconds in in that. You know, he goes too far forward, and they're putting us over the front of the boat and into the water. He comes too far back; we're off the side of the boat again. So it was a pretty narrow um, narrow spot that he was that he was working for. So there wasn't a lot of room for room for error there. All right. So next question is going to be based on uh, what was in front of you, like you mentioned, water. If he had done a more of a flyaway or just continued forward faster than the ship, would you guys have been clear of everything? Like clear of the deck? There, there was nothing in front of you. Is that no, accurate? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So had had we had we rolled forward, um, not to armchair pilot and um, nope, nope. Uh, and yeah, I, um, I, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, no. the the forward the forward area was was clear. Okay. Um, but bearing in mind, you know, we, that would have put us what's a what's the you know we would have been 80 no more probably 100 120 140 feet up out over the water yeah at speed at that point it had, had yeah. you know had they taken that flyaway option yeah. so yeah. that wouldn't have been a risk-free environment either no i totally agree totally agree so here, here's why i'm i'm bringing asking some of these questions is and this is for everybody out there that's listening everybody that does this Pilot reference is the most important part of the hoist evolution. 
They have to have something to look at. And I am not a pilot, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I am. However, I've been in enough aircrafts that when pilots lose reference, they, what we call in the back, dance all over the sky. And you're moving forward, backwards, left, right, trying to gain some sort of hold in a position. And it doesn't work. Um, one of the things that I train personally with all the pilots that I work with is I ask them, don't allow me as a hoist operator to con you or give you directions outside of your reference. If you get to a point, you're like, it's just on the edge. Tell me no, and I can adapt and overcome. The next one would be the, if you lose reference, especially with something like that, call it, I've lost my reference and then have a plan to get away from it. So in your case, maybe forward and left, and they slow down so the ship can catch up. And then you come back over to the ship at another point. Hoist operator brings you back up. And I'm only bringing this up because there are other options to try to help those to not repeat this again. And I am happy to discuss with anyone about different options to have. Like one more would be for us is if we go to a platform and on the platform you have like, we always insert to a close corner, like, and then the pilot has the opposite side corner. If he loses reference, his job is to come back and left until he has some sort of reference and then reevaluate. Again, depending on how much cable is out, depending on where the guy, the rescue man or the victim's at, it will depend on the moves and whether you're going to shear the cable or keep hoisting. There's, there's a lot of dynamics and different changes and stuff, but these are big discussion points with the pilot lost reference emergency. It is an emergency procedure. I will argue that point with anybody that says otherwise. So I'm done with my soapbox. Sam tagged. No, you. no, no, that's all right. And <laughs> yeah, and so there are a couple of procedure changes that came in after that. The um, We've now got the requirement to make sure we do an overhead recce or pull up into a dummy approach. Yep, okay, this is where we're gonna winch from. Everyone happy with how this all looks? Yep, cool, okay. We'll now Love go it. around, come back, come back in, and then that'll go. Okay, no, this isn't what we thought. All right, back up, move away. Let's have a let's look at Plan B. Let's look at our other options. So, um, yeah, it certainly drove a lot of change, a lot of change across the organization. I personally really enjoy uh, what you guys called it. What a practice run. Uh, dummy overhead. Oh, dummy. Okay, so I've called it a rehearsal, or um, your. It is your practice run. It's getting over the top of your target. It's getting to where you're going to hoist uh, and set up and then either coming back to a rest position or an off center position or a pattern around. I love that idea. I use it quite often. So yeah, yeah, it's good. Solid man. I, dude, I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you. I actually do know this story. I, I talk a lot about this story um, just because they're especially with pilot reference stuff. I did not realize it was you when, uh, <laughs> when we started the interview. Yes. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's not something, well, you know, it, it happened, but I'm also not, you know, I'm not spruiking it everywhere that, Hey, everyone guess what, what, you know, it's just, everyone has bad days at work. You know, there's plenty, of, there's plenty yeah. of far more drastic accidents in workshops and the like. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I won't tell anybody in the world that Sam Fielder uh, got sheared on a cable and hit the deck from 50 feet. Okay. From, okay right. I, I won't, I won't tell anyone. will keep it between you and me. <laughs> yeah, right. <now. laughs> 
<laughs> no problem. No problem. See, your secret is safe from me. All right. All right. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I love the fact that you guys made changes. Um, I, I hope it's trained and I hope for everybody out there that's listening that you guys are training a similar scenario. Loss of reference is a big, big deal. All right. So I can't emphasize it enough. Um, we train it, we practice it and know what to do. And, and again, don't let the hoist stop like, or yeah, don't let me as a hoist operator con you outside of your reference. Don't allow that to happen. Say stop and reevaluate, come down in altitude, move to a different location, reset, you know, call an abort or like a, a no-go and, and do a go around, what, whatever you got to do to, to avoid that. I, I am all about it. Cause it is, it's not fun. I, I had another buddy that the lost reference, something similar the aircraft did not fall out of the sky. Oh, it almost did, but they over talked the snort over torqued the snot out of the aircraft. And, you know, uh, pilot retired co-pilot said, no, I'm done. I don't want to fly anymore. And the rescue swimmer resigned and, and all from that in particular flight. So I understand yeah. not a fun scenario. So not good. Not. Now, mad props to you for getting back in the air. That is awesome. Good for you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what else I would have gone and done really. I, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it just, then like I said, you know, I didn't know the doctor had said it, but yeah, it just was, you know, Oh, that was just what was, that was just what was happening. There wasn't yeah. much thought went into it. It was just, Oh, okay. Let's keep on, <laughs> let's keep on keeping on. So, um, yeah. Man, yeah, th there was no thank grand you. Plan. Thank you for sharing this. I, I, I gotta tell you, I, I really appreciate this one. Um, one, cause I, again, I know the story. So to hear the actual, the guy that it had happened to it, it actually means a lot to me. Cause now I'm going to take this and be like, D I know the dude, I know the guy, I got a guy, I know a guy, I got a guy. <laughs> so, Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for sharing this one. It's, it's important. No, no, no. For yeah. And about. you know, I'm the same. If there's, if there's people anywhere that, you know, sharing that helps with, then it's no point keeping, you know, my little piece of it bundled up in my head. If someone's going to learn from it or it's going to give someone an idea of how to do something differently or how not to do something, then it's worth sharing. Cause there's just, it's too easy for what, in what we do for a small problem to become a big problem. So yeah, yep. if sharing it, if sharing it helps, then I'm more than happy to. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, and I, now this is the first one. So it's yeah, not like your yeah. luck changed very much. Jeez, come on, Sam. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. All yeah. right, wait a minute. Before we get into the second one, though, was there anything like in between that was really cool? Oh, you know, there's always, um, you know, there's plenty of, plenty of jobs that you sort of, sort of remember and bits and pieces. Yeah, you know, I personally, I like to, you know, I try not to dwell on the, the tragic ones because, you know, as, as you've seen and you know as some of your um your other podcast guests have sort of talked about you know there's plenty of stuff we see that's you know you don't want to have to remember it's it's in there you know you, you hope that it stays down in a way and not at the forefront of your mind but there's yeah. you know there's stuff we there's stuff we see that's that's pretty tragic and um yeah you know there's obviously that sort of thing can be a bit of a constant with with our side of things but then yeah because of that i like to sort of I sort of like to remember the, the funny ones and the, you know, the oddities and those sort of ones that sort of 
make you chuckle and turn back up again the next day. You know, we, there was one that I, um, I copped a bit of grief over for a little while that, um, a guy had set off his beacon and we, um, we went out there and tracked to it and, and found him and he, um, he'd been having some medical episodes. He'd sort of be driving his boat and then all of a sudden lose consciousness and then wake up, but he hadn't necessarily like the boat had kept going. So he, he wasn't quite sure where he was. So he'd set off his beacon and, um, but while he was waiting, he decided to continue fishing, um, which, you know, sure. Why not? Why not? You know, that's what he was there there. for to start with. So, you know, there's no point sitting there doing nothing. And, um, I just don't know where I'm at in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, so the, um, yeah, it was a small, it was a small, it was a small dinghy and we went to get put in the, I said to the, um, the hoist operator, I said, oh, look, just put me, put me in at the back, put me in the water. I'll just swim up to the side. Um, it was, didn't look like he had an anchor out. And we said, oh, look, the rotor wash is just going to blow this thing all around. Put me in, I'll swim across to him. Um, I'll stay on the hook, but I'll swim across to him and get him into the water and lift him out of there. And um, as we were, as I was getting winched down, I was probably five or six feet off, off the water. I sort of, I picked up a line that was coming off the um i could see in the water off the vessel i sort of thought oh hang on he's got an anchor and then i then i realized it was a set of burly pots and um <laughs> so i've sort of basic i've basically flipped myself upside down and curled into a ball and started you know no don't you know the, the area that we were is known for some pretty big sharks and tiger sharks and the like and i like no i'm not getting into the back of this boat that's just been bobbing around with a big <laughs> big chunks of meat hanging off the side off the side of it. I was like, no, you, you winch me back up, mate. I'm not getting in that water. Like, oh, you, you're meant to be a tough rescue swimmer. I'm like, yeah, except where there's shark fishing going on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, so then, we, then he put me into the boat and um, <laughs> recovered him from there. So, yeah, yeah. I, ha- I had my limit. I'd found where my line was. <laughs> oh, that's good. We we do know where we sit in the food chain, and as soon as you step, oh, yeah. like jump in the ocean, you're like, oh yeah, this is where I this is where I am. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you know, stuff like that that sort of you know you chuckle about, you laugh about, and yeah, yeah, it's that sort of thing that keeps you keeps you coming back. Oh yeah, I, I, like I told you, I can't get enough of it. I <laughs> do this until I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yep, for sure, so. for sure. Keep it going, my friend. All right. Whatever. Um. Yeah. Look. Um. Yeah. You know. And in between, you know, that was two thousand and nine. The second accident was two thousand and thirteen. You know, there's a bunch of good jobs there. I was lucky. The contract we were on. Um, we had a small group. We all um would sort of lived together. Um, lived together as well, and we all knew what we were thinking. We were reading each other's minds. It just, the crew coordination and everything was really good. We had a fantastic group of, um, of really experienced pilots. Um, you know, there was plenty of non-event jobs, but then, you know, fishing, fishing vessels, taking on water, sinking, you know, winching multiple, multiple people out. Um, yeah. Ill people, tourists, all sorts. And, you know, like I said, also, you know, I think every, every rescue swimmer's done it somewhere, you know, you go on a search and I think people sort of think, oh yeah, you go on a search and you eventually find something, but 
Oh. There's stacks of jobs where you sit, you know, yep, we know there's someone missing. We know this is where they were. We've combed every inch of this ocean and they're not here anymore. And, right. you know, you know, there's plenty of those sort of ones that you sort of, you come home with a bit of an empty feeling in your stomach. You're like, ah, you know, yep. we're out there to find. And, you know, they may not have been there to be found, but, um, yeah, you know, it's not all, it's not all sort of happy endings and, um, yeah, you know, there's that. And then, yeah, you throw in a funny one and you sort of go, oh, yeah, here we are again. This is why we do it and have a, chuck, have a chuckle. And, um, yeah, and it just, yeah, the cycle continues. Do you guys do a lot of uh, cruise ship stuff? Um, at previous bases I've worked at, yes. Where I'm, where I'm currently working, not, not so much. Maybe, there's maybe, the base does maybe one or two a year at the moment. It's just the, the bit of the coastline we're on isn't particularly touristy um, oh gotcha okay yeah so, I, I was asking um, you mentioned elderly so I, I didn't know if it was just going offshore to get um you know the, the majority well i won't say the majority sorry for everybody that's yeah i don't but i, I elderly end up getting hoisted off because they've got a heart attack or something happens on a cruise yeah ship. yeah yeah so I, i'd certainly probably pick that yeah most most of the cruise ship patients that you went sure older rather than younger um for sure yep um, well i'll tell yeah, you what and, if you want to get into the uh the the second one and then if you want yeah. to end it on a positive note we can do that too <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah all right no <laughs> we can we can we can do that too there's um yeah i'll make it sound like it's all doom and gloom but no it's not there's far far more positives than negatives um, well, so you're yeah, still second, doing it. How, 14 well, yeah, years, you said 14. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, um, yeah, the second accident, look, that one was on a, that one was on a training sortie or a training flight. Um, we were training a new pilot to the company. Um, we we're doing some night, night training. Um, at that stage, that base that I was working at at the time, um, we weren't using night vision goggles. Um, they hadn't been implemented yet. Um, so we'd gone out during the day. We'd done a couple of um, couple of practice, practice approaches to where, what was going to be the, the area we're approaching to. We put out a light out in, this, um, out in this area and the plan was basically go home, eat dinner, come back in the dark, do essentially the same thing again. I'm doing um, the I same the thing tonight. So I, I get it. Yeah. Um, so Standard yeah. ops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I was just along as the, um, the hoist operator, we were, um, just to do that, that final bit of conning as we conned into the pad, we actually hadn't even planned to be landing on. We were going to collect the strobe the following day. We were just sort of going to terminate it treetop height sort of thing. Just practicing the, um, the night sun approaches that, um, that were part of the procedures at the time. Um, so yeah, we, we headed off over to the training area and, um, and set up on, set up on an approach. And as we were approaching, all of the numbers were looking good. The pilot and the, so there was a pilot that was flying and then hit, which was under instruction. And we had the instructor on board as well. Um, and the pilot that was flying, very experienced pilot, new to the company, not, new, not a new pilot. Um, so yeah, the, um, they were just talking through their, talking through their approach. I'd open the rear door um, just well ahead of time to get, um, get organized to pick up my my calls once once they're ready um 
we passed through a thousand feet and everything was looking okay. And then we sort of at about 400 feet roughly, um, and we're about a probably 0.6 of a mile, so or nautical mile, so a kilometer um, short of the pad. Um, I'd sort of stuck my head out just to sort of start to picture what was going on, get ready to get ready to bring my calls in when um, when they asked for it. And um, not sure, have you flown on many skidded aircraft? Uh, yes, not enough to um, have a like. I've trained more on skidded aircraft yeah, okay. than I've done jobs, but four twelve, two twelve, Huey, uh, four twenty nine, um, BK one seventeen. You know, like I. I I understand it and I, I know what you're doing, but yeah, it, again, okay. my stuff is more training side versus operational side. Yeah. So all, all, um, all that was, was um, basically I put my head out, but where they had the, the searchlight and the night sun set up, I was getting massive glare off the reflection of the skid tube. So I oh, sort of, yeah. I, okay. I, you know, I can sort of, I can sort of see past. Yep. Okay. That's not going to be an issue yet. And then um, sort of pop my head back inside out of the wind rush and then stuck my head out a second time and sort of put my, um, I could see where we were going to, but because of the glare, couldn't see straight down, which, you know, we're a kilometre from where we needed to be. It wasn't such a, wasn't such a big issue at that point, but I put my hand up to, um, to block the glare and um, all of a sudden the ground became visual and I sort of had to do a bit of a, do a bit of a blink because cl- shut my eyes and sort of reset because it just didn't quite, the picture didn't look right. And I thought, oh, geez, am I feeling dizzy or what's, what's going on here? And I've looked and um, as my brain's sort of processing the picture that I'm seeing, the pilot has called airspeed, airspeed. Um, and then I've sort of started to realise that it wasn't looking right because rather than, you know, you're looking at a car window or anything, it's moving from forward to back. It, the, pitch, the picture of everything outside the aircraft. Oh. What, I, what I was looking at at the ground was moving forward and to the left. Okay. So... So yeah, so the ground was moving forwards and to the left, away from the aircraft. So you're backing so, up. So, yeah. So as as I, as as I've tweaked with that, the pilot started calling, "Go around, go around, go around." Yeah. Um, I've then started making the climb, climb, climb call because we start we're we're descending rapidly. Um, we were too low to be able to nose over and get the airspeed again to get around. Um, so basically, we just came came down came down through the trees in a slow, a slow sort of arc, um, crashed down through the trees. Oh. Um, yeah, it hit, the, hit the ground. Um, it was an interesting one. So I was on harness um, in the back on my wander lead, not strapped into a seat belt. Um, you know, there was branches and stuff coming in through the door, but for the most part, I was, like, I was, I was fine. I didn't get hurt. But because we hit the ground with everything still running, the blades were smashing into the trees that we're amongst. Yeah. So the pilots, the, the two pilots, they were getting thrown sort of probably eight, eight or so inches forward and aft violently because they were strapped. They were getting the same vibrations that the airframe was doing, hitting the trees, whereas I wasn't getting any of that. So I, I, beat, I got forward and shut down the first engine. By that time, the rotor speed had started shutting down, so the pilot, the pilot beat me to the second one or the instructor pilot beat me to the second one. But um, yeah, so we completely rode off the aircraft, um, crushed the airframe, um, destroyed the destroyed the main rotor, um, split it on its belly. Um, Holy cow. 
yeah, so then, you know, we, we got out, made sure we were, you know, there was no injuries. I think I was the only one to draw blood and it was like the tiniest of little, you know, I've had biggish cuts, right? I've had bigger, bigger cuts shaving. Um, you know, that was, that was, that, that, that was as, that was as bad as it got from a tiny little twig or something that had managed to get under my visor. And that was, that was it. Um, you just tell everybody, so yeah. I was checking my blood sugar at that moment. I just, wanted <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, yeah. So then basically we called back to the base we've gone in, we need recovery. Um, yeah. And they tasked the second aircraft, which landed at the pad that we intended to land at, but then they needed to hike like the kilometer or so through the bush and the scrub to, um, to get to us. Wow. We, um, we then made our way, they came to us, then we made our way back, got to them, got out and then, um, you know, went over the, went over to the hospital for the standard checks and everything to make sure everything was all okay. And then, um, yeah, this, and then, then the recovery sort of, of the airframe process began. Holy smokes. Yeah. So, yeah. So essentially we, um, we, we entered vortex ring. Um, so the aircraft descended into its own, own rotor washed and lost the effectiveness of the main okay. rotor. So you had no lift, basically. No, no. Dang. So despite them put, despite them pulling power because of because of how quickly the airspeed had come off, um, yeah, we'd entered that turbulent air and weren't getting the lift off the off the disc that we would expect. Wow. You know, I've seen videos of that happening. There's a great one of a police department. I believe it's a four twelve. They're flying. And they roll up and they do a big flare, ropes oh, go out, and they yes. go to level off the aircraft. And instead of dropping into that hover, it basically falls out of the sky. Yeah. That is exactly what happened with you guys. Pretty much, yeah. Well, yeah. sorry. Yeah, it, a, a lot higher, happened. but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Essent yeah. Essentially the same thing, just at a, at a higher altitude. And wow. yeah. So um, now I've got a couple. Ready? A couple questions. Sure. <laughs> Shoot away. One, you guys are running uh the you said the Huey, right? Yeah, oh, it's a 412, yeah. 412. All right, so you're running a 412. Yep. Internal or external hoist? External hoist. Ex okay, so uh and the reason I asked that is because with an internal hoist, you've got a little bit of protection there, almost something you could grab. With an external hoist, yeah. that whole cabin door is wide open. Now, are you attached to the hill hole, like the that attachment point, uh, or are you up to yes, the ceiling? Yeah. So no. So the um the attach we've got an attachment point that is on the arm that the hoist is mounted to. Okay. And our and our our hoist is mounted in line with the forward transmission wall, so it's okay. after bits. So I know there's foot. You know, there's other 412s that have it mounted essentially where the internal one would boom out to. Yep. Ours is ours is in line with the Ford transmission wall. So when you're winching, okay. you're in that back rear quarter. And um, then for those that don't fly on a 412 or understand the internal uh, cabin configuration, I, I mentioned the word the hell hole because it's that forward transmission. The transmission comes all the way down and then they basically box that off. So you have anchor points and stuff that are in that forward side of the the transmission wall and then the two side transmission walls that go fore and aft. Um, and sometimes there's a troop seat there, but the pendants on the back, like the back back wall. And so that's, 
like you being anchored to that side hellhole wall, like your your tether is actually probably what maybe two feet, three feet where you can stand out yeah, on the skid. Rough, roughly, yeah. Um, and yeah, so basically, I I sort of drops to my butt and put one foot up against the quarter door. Oh yeah, and just okay. Sort of, and just, and just, it was um, just able to basically brace myself in as best I could onto the floor to make sure I wasn't falling outward at least. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I was bare bum on the on the on the deck of the aircraft. Um, yeah. I certainly wasn't in a seat or anything like that, but I was at least positively braced inward so that I wasn't falling outward. Which for you is probably the best spot to be, as crazy as it sounds. Yeah, and like I said, that everyone else that was strapped into seats felt every impact that that aircraft had, whereas I just sort of bounced around a little bit in the back and was fine because I wasn't connected or secured to to anything that was moving violently yeah you know you've just answered a couple questions for me right off the get-go because i question that every time i get on a tether like okay if if the aircraft impacts here or if something happens here where am i going to be flown to and flung to uh and and where where are my exit points and stuff and it's actually kind of a you've just uh you've just helped me out my mindset <laughs> I aim the place. <laughs> no, thanks, thanks. Um, so to, to again kind of recap and debrief it, how how did the aircraft get into that situation? Do they know? So um, the pilot that was flying had taken his eyes outside the out off his instruments and was looking outside to look at his sight picture and his references. Um, yeah. There's talk in the ATSB report that. Um, he took his hand off the collective to adjust the light um, to help set up his picture and that that may have contributed to when he's washed off speed unexpected, unexpectedly. So he sort of decelerated. The rate of descent stayed the same, but he sort of decelerated down to about 30 knots or so. And with the 500 foot or so minute rate of descent we had in that what was a stabilised approach, that loss of airspeed has then you know steepened up what we were doing and we've descended into that that turbulent air wow dang um the trees that you guys kind of crashed into were they yeah. like huge trees small trees and i'm, and I'm asking because um, you know like i understand when so the gum blades hit them yeah like, yeah so up. they were gum trees you know you're sort of talking oh maybe a foot and a half two foot in diameter okay so they're decent yeah. size yeah 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 yep big trees um you know they would have probably been you know, 30 meters you know 60 to 90 foot tall somewhere at 20 to 30 wow. meters tall 60 to 90 foot like there was tall canopy wow holy cow yeah and when they talk about uh, waiting for all violent motion to stop that's the rotor blades that are blowing apart as they're yeah. hitting all the trees and stuff and dang. yeah uh, you know, yeah. one thing I, I will say, you're extremely lucky having the cabin door open because you have a huge door on the 412, uh, the debris that could come in or, yeah. you know, uh, you know, yeah, and even the, the, the rolling, if you had rolled on the, that side of the aircraft on the, on the way in. Yes. And as yeah. That. yeah. And I was just lucky with the way the the way the branches were as we came crashing down, you know, there was nothing that sort of pointed directly in, um, you know, and 
poking in and impaling or anything like that. It was, yeah, as we've come down, it's just sort of bent whatever we needed, whatever was there out of the way of, you know, hasn't, hasn't let anything dig into the cavern, which was pretty lucky. Wow. Dude. <laughs> I'm really just trying to take all this in for the set, you know, this moment. Yeah. Like, yeah, wow. I can tell by the look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, any crash you can walk away from is a good one. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, what uh, my buddy Olaf Lavelle, he he was in a plane crash like that. He talks about it on one of his on his episode, and uh, you know he remember, he looked over the pilot pilot was like my bad, <laughs> like you're yeah. bad. What? <laughs> oh yeah, look, you know, and yeah, it was an it was an interesting one. You know, I, I when we got to the hospital, you know, I sort of I said to the. I said to the instructor, you know, I'd been flying with him for quite a while and I flew with him for a, a while after the accident as well. I'm just trying to remember how long that would have been. But, um, you know, when we got to the hospital, I, you know, as we were walking up the ramp, I said, mate, if you want to fly that aircraft back, I'm flying back with you. Um, you know, he, awesome. um, yeah, he's, he sort of took it, took it to heart a fair bit, but yeah. In my head, and this is just my own point of view, there's certain things that are you shouldn't have to worry about on a guy that's got ten thousand hours. Right. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? That you know, yep. Yep, you know, who has control, who, or, you know, who's in command is in command, but there's certain things that as an instructor, you know, I think right. it's yeah, reasonable to get caught out with for stuff that's yeah, some of the fundamentals. So Right. The, you know, how do I want to say this? Accidents happen. Yeah. That's yeah, why it. they're called accidents. You know, yeah. you and I can say we've been driving cars and riding dirt bikes for a long, long time. It doesn't mean that something doesn't happen behind the wheel or something. You know, it's exactly. Yeah. We're not doing it on purpose. I, I get that. So good for, I would have gotten in the aircraft with him too. Like good on. Yeah. You. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was good. Um, well, yeah, yeah, as good as can be. But I was glad that, yeah, you know, it didn't, he didn't stop flying. Um, the instructor, you know, he, he took a little bit of time off and came back and um, yeah, yeah. I'll, it would have been a shame had that been sort of the, the career ender because it wasn't, it shouldn't have been. So. Yeah. Hey, good yeah. for him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you know, we flew together for quite a bit after that. Um yeah it um yeah yeah it was good kick the tires light the fires let's roll <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but um yeah you know it's one of those things it's funny you know people sort of go oh you know which was the which was the better or better you know which was a bit better or worse or you know whichever way you want to cut it half yeah, class, yeah. Half class. or um yeah but you know certainly the um yeah if i if I had, if I'm, if I'm having a third accident, I <laughs> please I'd, don't. I'd, please, please I, don't. I don't plan to. I really don't. <laughs> I really, really don't. Um, but you know, the broken bones is pretty. I'd probably pick a few more broken bones again because you know the I dealt with a bit of. Um, well, it wasn't a bit. I dealt with PTSD post that one. Um, yeah. 
Um, and, you know, I'd much rather just, oh, yeah, broken bone, put it in a cast, do these rehab, do these rehab things. And, you know, there's this nice, clear, nice, clear, linear progression that you can follow to get to the end versus, yeah, it, um, yeah, the PTSD sort of crept up on me with that one. Um, you know, I was probably all right for, it's probably close to 12 months before I wow. sort of really went and did did anything about it. You know, it's sort of, there were slow changes over time that I wasn't necessarily picking up on. You know, I was back flying within a week, I think, of the, the second accident. Um, you know, I went back, yep, this is all normal. And then slow changes over time, I started to get more and more sensitive to um, to anything that was uncommanded. So Define um, you know, unsensitive like, or sensitive. Um, my heart would skip a beat or, you know, I'd start to get a little bit, oh, hang on, you know, just that spidey sense would pick up. Yeah, okay, which okay. Normally it picks up at the right times, whereas, you know, it was like, oh, you know, here's a, here's a little bump or a little bit of, you know, just a little bit of turbulence as you, as you go over a bit of terrain or something and all of a sudden I'd be far more agitated than agitated is not the right word that's too strong but yeah my spidey sense would go off a bit too yeah. much and like oh, okay hang on you know looking at the instruments oh no no yep we're wings level yep airspeed's good you know looking at all of that but just just on edge a bit more and only with that's a good way to put stuff. it on edge yeah um you know only with uncommanded stuff because yeah and i didn't realize at the time but yeah you know anything that wasn't intentional was like oh you know just the little bumps and lumps that weren't deliberate you know the pilot could roll it over at a 45 wing you know 45 degree turn and i'd be fine because there's that you know you fly you know what it's like there's that deliberate feel to it versus something that's unexpected so that sort of started to gradually build up i was probably holding it together at work pretty well but then not once i walked out the door of work um you know i ended up um i ended up at the dentist going to the doctor because of headaches and they're like it's because you're clenching your teeth why are you clenching i was like oh i think i'm pretty angry <laughs> and you know i was i was and you know i you know i was i'm I was, sorry I, was, I don't mean to laugh i'm sorry and, so... it is and it, it, it is because like it you know it makes perfect sense now looking at it in hindsight but you know i was i was walking around you know if if i wasn't carrying something i wouldn't realize that i was you know i was clenching either my fist or my jaw, I was always on edge. And it, because it crept on slowly, I didn't, I didn't notice as, a, as this, hey, here's this new thing straight after an accident. Here's a, direct, here's a direct cause. It just sort of crept on. I, was, I didn't realise that I was, until it became a bigger thing, that I was, you know, I was seeking conflict. I was looking for arguments with stuff. Wow. Some mates had to. My, some mates had to peel me off a couple of people at the indoor soccer game, and I'm like, hmm, that probably was that probably wasn't what a, <laughs> that probably wasn't that big a deal. What, what's going on here? <laughs> um, you know, there was, um, yeah, you know, and you know, tussling sort of stuff. I wasn't wasn't going around throwing punches or anything, but you know, far more agitated than the laid back me had sort of ever been in the past, and. Um, yeah, I just got to a point where I was like, look, I'm going to have to stick my hand up and go and speak to someone. I don't know what it is to do with, but something's going on. Um, and yeah, I went and found a, found a gun um, psychologist and he's like, yeah, look, you've, he basically explained that I'd been conditioned, although I didn't have any 
I didn't think I'd had any psychological impacts from the first one. Basically, after the two accidents, I'd been deconditioned or conditioned to my body to expect when that sense, sort of sensation starts, something near death is coming, essentially. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I ended up taking a fair bit of time off working with um, working with psychologists and psychiatrists. So I think it ended up being about twelve months. I was away from flying. Wow. Um, just sort of, yeah, working through it. Uh, but like I said, you know, broken bones, so simple. Just, yep, put a plate in it, put a pin in it, do the, do the rehab. When you can lift this much with this one, lift this much more. And, you know, it just goes, whereas, you know, the head's a different beast. And, um, you know, anyone that's out there, I'd certainly, you know, don't be afraid. You know, if, if you break your arm, you're going to go and see an orthopedic surgeon. If there's something going on in your head, go and see someone that's, good at fixing head stuff and don't be afraid to sort of shop around a bit. You know, the first one I went to was, was hopeless. And then I got onto a second one and he was fantastic. <laughs> for me, uh, at least, yeah. you know, for me. You know what? No, um, no, no, you are absolutely accurate because most people, and even psychologists, and I'm not taking anything away from anybody other than psychologist or psych, anything like that, counselor, you don't understand our mindset. So you can't relate or even empathize with anything we are talking about. Zero. Yeah. And like the first guy was, and you know, you can probably pick up from my whole, I'd rather break a bone. You know, I, yeah. I needed a process. And the first guy was, you know, oh, well, what is PTSD? And, you know, how, you know, we're just, we're not worrying about labels. We're just working it out once you're back to being you. I'm like, well, I'm not all that, that much of a philosophical person. I don't think I'm not even sure I could explain what me was before anyway. So how are we <laughs> going to know when we get there? You know, um, you know, it was quite these, these big wishy-washy terms. And then I got on to, um, I got on to Brian and he, um, you know, yep. It was clear cut. This is what's going on. This is how this process works. You're triggering, triggering, triggering your amygdala. It's triggering your fight or flight when it shouldn't. We need to work on deconditioning you, and then you'll then it'll eventually be calibrated to the right thing. Okay, cool. There's a process I can work with that, and it, you know, and we just clicked. It was great. Um, we sort of worked through it. Um, there was some, um, yeah. So basically, the whole plan was just we dealt with what was going on, and then eventually just slowly tried to decondition me to um, to be used to that sort of unexpected type unexpected type stuff um we tried i tried with the um the workers insurance this time to um our pilots send or our company sends pilots to the simulator all the time um unfortunately there's not a 412 sim in australia so um we we, we, uh at the moment or most recently they have at the time they were going to either sweden or dubai um oh okay yeah but um so he put in this request and we said, look, the maneuvers and things that we want to do to decondition me is not particularly safe to do in the aircraft. We want to do it as part of our simulator program. And when the pilots are over there, we'll put Sam at the end and then run through a particular protocol and try and work through like that. But um, that just did not fit the work insurers um, right. models at all. You know, Sending you like, to no, America or Dubai we can't send or... someone. Over, we can't send someone overseas for this thing. It just it just broke all of their models, and they just right. they knocked it back. We tried a couple of times, and um, yeah, we sort of. I said to the um, 
you know, I was talking with the psychologist and the psychiatrist. I'm like, look, I don't, we're going to have to come up with something different. Um, and the, um, the psychologist, he sort of said, oh, look, leave it with me. Like, oh, yep, sure. Okay. And we kept sort of didn't talk about that for a bit and just kept doing our normal sessions and stuff. And then, um, then he said, oh, look, next week, um, I want you to wear shorts and a t-shirt, shoes, and meet me here. And he gave me this obscure address, like nowhere near his office, nowhere near my house, just opposite side of town. I thought, oh, oh, okay, let's try that. Oh, let's see what he's got going. He said, I'm not telling you what it is, just meet me there. And I get to this sort of semi-industrial area and there's a car park out the front. And he'd gone and tracked down a bull riding machine. Oh, I love this guy right now. Yeah, I know. I know. And he's, and he's gone, look, I don't know what else we can get that will move completely unpredictably and other than this. So let's try this. I was like, oh, sure. All right. So it was probably, I think it was fortnightly these sessions were that I would go for hour, hour and a half on the bull riding machine for it was four or five weeks or four or five sessions, I think. And sort of, we just started off with it moving slowly and just sort of bucking around. And then it was moving a bit faster. Then it was moving a bit faster with my eyes closed. So it was trickier to expect. Um, and we just gradually built it up and then he snuck down to work and then he went and got my helmet. And then, so then there was another time where I'm sitting and, you know, there's trucks and cars and everything driving past. And there's me in a car park on a bull riding machine, wearing my flight <laughs> helmet with my eyes closed getting thrown left, right and centre because once you've got a helmet on and your eyes are closed, it gets a bit trickier to stay on the ball. Um, you know, I'm getting blisters on my hands because I'm, you know, out in the sun trying to hang onto this rope and not get thrown. And um, <laughs> yeah, and then and then it graduated to the final one where um, there was someone You got out a real ball. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> I no, graduated um, to the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, graduate. so that, you know, because everyone's put everything on YouTube. Some, some, per, some person had put like 12 hours straight of 412 engine noise just on a video. So then I had, I had earphones in with the phone in my pocket, just playing 412 noise with my headphone on, uh, with the, sorry, with my helmet on, with the headphones in underneath, blindfolded, bucking around. And um, cause that was as close as we could get to anything that wow. just moved chaotically. Um, yeah, and you know, by the end of it, the bull riding guy goes, "Mate, if you if you want, I can tell you where I'm going to be on Friday nights because you win all the money because no one trains as much as you just have." <laughs> um, I felt right. I felt like that. I felt like that was probably a bit harsh to just go and um, yeah, go and steal everyone's coin. But um, no, not at all. It's it's called training. In, you should have gone and done it. Yeah, I should have. I should have. <laughs> but um, yeah. So then once we went through that, we then um we moved into some aircraft stuff as well. Um, and then, yeah, gradually sort of moved on and um, progressed through that. And I was on some medication for a while and gradually wound off, wound off that and, and was good to go. But um, yeah, broken bones, much easier, much easier. Wow. Sam, that is incredible. What, you know, like I, to try to put a little bit of a comparison on what you went through in, like medical terms wise it's it's almost like having a, a problem with the bends and going to do a decompression chamber to to reset it bring you back down and then gradually bring you back up 
You just did that with your mind. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. Holy, what a great idea. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where he got it. He, he's just like, oh, there was just this sign and I thought, oh, let's, yeah, I'll give this guy a call. But like there was a sign at his local pub, like it wasn't because it was coming that yeah. night, like not, not from anything else. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I've got no idea how, how he invoiced that, but, um, <laughs> just, yeah. but it worked, it worked out great. So how um, do you feel since then? Like since it all, since your graduation? Since, um, yeah, look, I, I think I'm as normal as I, or as close to normal as I was, I was, um, you know, I'm certain, you know, none, of, no, no more of any of those feelings in the aircraft. Um, cool. you know, none, none of that. It's, um, yeah, I'm back, back to being me really is probably the, probably the best way to, best way to put it. Um, yeah, you know, it's just, yeah. And, you know, it's not something I sort of, I'm happy that if, I'm not not got an issue talking about it, but I certainly at the time kept it very very quiet because, um, you know, now I don't I've got no issues talking about it. If anyone anyone's got questions on about it, I'm an open book. But at the time, because you know, I was doing a couple of sessions a week um, with the psychologist, or and then maybe an extra one with the psychiatrist, depending on what was going on. And I just didn't want to be updating everyone of what was going on. You know, yeah. I, I was yeah. doing it. I was doing enough talking about it to fix it that you know i didn't want each week to be going oh yep this is how i'm at and then oh yep now the next day i see a different person that i haven't seen this week to explain it i just the talk the talking all sorted it out but i just didn't need to be didn't want to be talking about the whole process with and updating everyone yeah that i didn't need to so i sort of kept it all i kept it really quiet um work obviously knew and the work guys knew that i was i was off but um yeah outside of that there weren't there weren't very many people that noticed at all and when you're a shift worker it's pretty easy to be oh you at work today no nah. oh okay and then they now i'm not going to try and understand your crazy eight-day roster you're not <laughs> at work today okay <laughs> yeah. yeah it's yeah wow. it's um yeah and you know i think you know it's something that our industry is is exposed to and at risk from um i think you know, you become a paramedic, become a doctor, become an ED nurse or something like you're expecting to see the trauma and that side of stuff, but you become a rescue swimmer, you get into this, this game, you're sort of expecting to rescue people, not have the downside and the trauma and all of that side of things. So, you know, if you're noticing any changes in yourself, you just need to go and speak up. And I mean, it took me a long time to, um, you know, I'm certainly not going to say I was awesome at it, but um, I'm certainly very, very glad that I did. Um, so it's interesting what you had said kind of in the beginning of it crept up on you for a 12 month period. Uh, there's, yeah. um, you know, again, Olaf Favel, one of the guys I interviewed already, uh, he talks about his ghosts. You know, and, and having seen people, you know, I, I'm in the same boat where I, I vividly remember people vividly good, bad and different. They're there. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, and this is years later, you know, yeah. for you yeah. to, to 
see that and then be able to take steps that that is that's awesome so for all of us out there that are that are doing this job when you start to see those changes man that I mean, you know, I'm going to direct them right to you, Sam. Be like, hey, call Sam. Sam will help oh, you out. <laughs> mate, it, honest, honestly, and you know, I've said the same thing to the, you know, the other members within the um, Rescue Swimmers Association and that if you, if you want to talk to someone, um, yeah, give me a call. I yeah. don't care if, you know, it, knowing how bad it got before I spoke up, if, you know, if a, ten, if a chat with someone is going to help in any way, shape or form, then, yeah, I'd be mad if I didn't at least try and help you know that's that's kind of why we all do what we do is to help others so you know i'm not gonna if there's something talking to someone if i if i'm gonna be that if i can be that ear then i'm happy to be that ear to help get the ball rolling so um yeah it's just one of those things you just gotta sometimes you gotta pay a bit pay that little bit of attention to how far you you've drifted you know, it's easy to get caught up in the day to day and not load, notice the small changes day to day. And you zoom out six months, twelve months. You go, oh, hang on, this is I've 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 gone a bit fair bit off the reservation here, or whatever the case may be. Yep. And then for you specifically, you needed to grab the bull by the horns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Come on, I, I didn't yes. throw yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was very good. <laughs> My job, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was actual so that, that's kind of yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you for letting me uh, throw that joke yeah. in there that was, that was... No, no, no. <laughs> yeah man again thank you for for sharing like the story and, the, and everything that you know recovery and everything you went through that's incredible i i'm so happy that one you've shared this and and two, you're back flying and everything's worked out for you. It's, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm pretty I'm pretty lucky. It certainly could have taken other turns at other points along the way. And I'm, yeah, lucky the way it's turned out. But, um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't have – I wouldn't not have had those accidents by choice, you know. Right. I've learned from them. I've grown from them. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of just just part of the ride now, really. Yes, it is. <laughs> I know you said you would end on a on a good note, so let's let's bring let's bring it back up. We'll, we'll bring it back up. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, one of I think the top job really, as far as memorable and positive ones, is um, early on, probably within the first twelve months of um, of starting. I helped deliver a baby in the aircraft. What? Um, yeah. So- <laughs> Dude, it was on a um, it was on an aeromedical task. So we'd been um, sent out to retrieve the mother. They'd been she'd turned up to a clinic. There'd been um, some complications. They um, they weren't sure if the um, if the baby was still alive. So they weren't sure. Maybe these complications are because it's going to be stillborn. Um, There wasn't really much other than a um, a community nurse and a stethoscope on the island that this lady had gone to get some help from. So we flew out there and the paramedics sort of having a listen and she's just looked at me and she's like, I've got a heartbeat. We're going now. Um, yeah. So we quickly got mum into the aircraft and um, we started sort of started heading back and it had been an all nighter. Actually, we actually, the sun, we watched the sun come up on the way back and oh, um, well, that's always kind of cool. Like, Hey, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, 
um, you know, it's always the little, like the nice bit at the end of a, of a all nighter that beats you up. But, um, but the, um, yeah, so we're heading back and the mother's just sort of, she wasn't on intercom. So she was just in the stretch, laying on the stretcher, had earmuffs on for ear protection, but she wasn't on comms. And yeah. um, she's just sort of waved and grabbed the attention of myself and the paramedic and just sort of pointed down between her legs, like with this look of panic on her face. And we sort of looked at each other and went, uh, I think it's happening. We're getting out of seatbelts, guys, to the um, pilot. The pilot no, the no, pilot no, no. Sorry, get yeah. a key, you squeeze it, can you hold it? Yeah. yeah, and so sort of straight away, she's sort of super quick. We um, sort of, the paramedic said, oh, can you grab this from around the corner? So I've gra- turned around to grab, the, grab a couple of things and I turn around and there's a head. I'm like, oh, wow, this really is happening. And then, um, and then um, yeah, she asked, the paramedic asked for um, something else. I can't remember what it was. And then I t- come back to do that and there's a whole baby. I'm like, well and um yeah the baby wasn't super well um so we started um the paramedic was working working really hard and i was just handing over anything that um she needed and making sure that the mum was all right and uh yeah did the airborne amendment to persons on board to air traffic uh no longer five pob we're now six Um, that's hilarious yeah and then um and then uh and atc sort of chuckled to themselves because you know, obviously a rescue helicopter picks people up all the time, but at 4,000 feet, we, ha- we haven't just done a winch. Um, <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, so we got her back to the hospital. Um, the daughter was, the child was named after the paramedic, um, which was, which was really cool. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it was. Um, but the story gets more awesome when um, we fast forward must have been three or four years and um one of the crewmen um comes back to the accommodation or as ben that you've interviewed in the past and he walks in um at the end of his shift and he goes mate you're not going to believe the job i was just on what's happened he goes we just did a we just did a baby delivery as well i'm like what you know and what you put a if you put a pin on the map it was it was within 20 miles of where the baby was that we delivered. Like no in way. Transit. Like it was the same route, point A to point B. It was just, yeah, almost in the same spot. But the crazy <laughs> thing was it was the same mother. No way. What? Yeah. So this woman, I think she'd had, I think it ended up being child number one and child number three, but two of her children were born in our helicopter at 4,000 feet. That yeah. is awesome. Yeah, unbel- and literally only the other week I saw a thing on the news that said, I think it was somewhere in the US, that a mother had, had gone into labour. Um, it might have been like a Hawaii back to the mainland sort of one that there wasn't somewhere to divert to. And um, they said, oh, it's, you know, it's a one in 26 million um, passengers that someone has a baby. It's super rare. And I was sort of like, yeah, I can see you and raise you one and two. I'm not very good at odds, but I know yeah. that it's not just one in 52 million that you've yeah. had two babies on an aircraft. So, she is probably um, the only woman that's ever done it twice in the aircraft. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so there was, um, I'm not sure if I've still got a picture of it, but we put um, 
two stork delivering a baby decals on the side of the aircraft. You know, like <laughs> fighter pilots have got their kills there, and we had our babies stacking up down the side down the side <laughs> of the aircraft. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's there's obviously lots of memorable ones, but that that one is just one in a I don't know what number, one in a billion or you something know, that I um, being a part of that story. That is incredible. I, and I'm going to pick on Ben too for not telling me the first time. What the hell, Ben? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Holy cow. Um, yeah. So that, that one was, um, yeah, that was just sort of disbelief when that second time happened. We're just like, how is that? How, how has that happened? So I wonder if you could um, say there was something in the air. <laughs> well, yeah. I, we wonder whether the, um, you know, not flying in a pressurized cabin that, you know, that, that something to do with it. Um, which is obviously a bit different to an airliner, but um, yeah, yeah, crazy odds, crazy long odds. That's hilarious. Yep, yep. So yeah, and it's quite cool, you know, because we do the EMS and SAR as a combined thing that our aircraft do aeromedical tasks as well, we get exposed to some pretty impressive tales of survival. Um, you know, from from trauma type stuff. You know, our our aircraft goes to roadside accidents quite a lot. And, oh, you know, nice. You, you, okay. And you'll see, you know, you'll see a car that barely looks like a car, and then, you know, it's quite rewarding to be able to take that person back, knowing that well, for starters, I don't know how you survived it, but we've been able to get you back to the hospital and um, get you get you back to get get you back to normal, which is um, which is very rewarding and satisfying because obviously, as you know, the, the SAR work can be hot and cold and sometimes it's a long time between drinks between some of that sort of work. So that's quite right. something that's quite, quite enjoyable from our side of things that we get, um, you know, doing, doing roadsides or primary where we're the first on scene type accidents is, um, is pretty, pretty impressive um, to watch. You know, we've often got to med doctors and stuff on board to, to deal with that higher level of care because it's obviously a bit more medical medically intensive than just pulling someone out of the water because their boat sunk um right but yeah it's um it's pretty impressive and you know there's been um there's one patient who ended up with a hadn't realized that a scratch on his chest had actually been when been a nail gun going off so he didn't he thought it, he, he was fixing it he was fixing it and thought thought that it had just gone bang but didn't realize that it, it was loaded and um you know, he turned up into hospital four days later um, wondering why his chest was sore oh my god and, you know you saw see, see some things like that. yeah you see things like that and you're like wow the human body can in some circumstances can just take an unbelievable amount of punishment and come back um, uh yeah yeah so i think that it, you know it's hard to pick any one medical job which is is the the bell ringer but um you know I, the accumulation of just the stuff that you see and you know i've probably been a bit harsher on my kids as far as oh you've stubbed your toe do you know yeah. what I've seen another little girl have done to her? And she was smiling, you know, <laughs> you know, they're like, I don't know what you're talking about, dad, but my toe hurts. I'm like, yeah. yeah, but your stomach's not hanging out. You'll be fine. Uh, you know what? You know, I, I got to apologize um, to my kids too. I do the same thing. Sorry. Yeah. It's, um, 
yeah in some in some aspects it's quite cool to have you know you, you get to see this crazy level of context as far as what what trauma and what what suffering really looks like but then right. sometimes it, it may it thickens your skin a bit to what is happening at home and you're like oh you know that's not bad you can just keep going and you know but but, but for someone else that's a really really big deal because it's the worst thing they've ever had happen to them you're like yeah, yeah but yeah on the spectrum you're fine mate you're right at the back you're right at the eat you're right at the tickling end of it yeah you don't have a bone sticking out you're fine yeah, yeah. so um <laughs> yeah i think that side of things but um in australia i think is quite unique for the rescue swimmers to be exposed to i don't think that um as far as i'm aware there's not too many spots where the rescue swimmer is going to that sort of overland type accidents um when they're not involved in SAR cases so i i really like that that element of it obviously yeah. there's there's the sad outcomes as well but the positives far outweigh oh yeah outweigh all I of that for sure totally agree with that i i actually enjoy uh, a bit of the medical side of it and going on medevacs and stuff and like you said, the outcome, some of them are good, some of them are bad, but for the most part, you know, um, they work out well and, and everyone's happy to see you. They're like, oh, so glad you showed up. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's, that's, that's exactly right. It's, yeah. um, and seeing, you know, the family, the worried look on the family as you sort of head off and like, look, they're going to be fine. We'll get yeah. them to, um, hospital. It's always, yeah. I think from that side of things, often with the medical tasks, you have more interaction with, the person or the family members of the person you're helping than you do with SAR stuff or search yep. and rescue type tasks a bit more. So I think, yeah, that, that connection with family members, I think is, is quite good um, to see that relief on their face when that help arrives and understanding that they're getting the best level of care available right. to them. So, yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Dude, that's hilarious. That's- it, I still, yes. I still can't get over this whole baby thing. I'm sorry. I just, I gotta go back oh. to that. You delivered a baby yeah. in the aircraft, and then a couple of years later, same lady is delivering another baby in the aircraft with Ben. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If 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 anyone's any good at maths and knows how to work out what the odds are, if someone was already one in twenty six million, and then they did it a second time, uh, I'd be fascinated to know. But my brain doesn't work with maths that big, maths numbers that big. So, uh, <laughs> oh my um, gosh, yeah, yep, pretty impressive. Oh. So, well, I'll take any other ones that stand out like that because that's just hilarious. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think you know again, just the just the funny stuff, the stuff you see. You know, we're pretty lucky in Australia. The um, I don't think there's any any helicopter operators that don't end up in pretty spectacular parts of the country, depending on where they are, whether it's big expanses of deserts or coral reefs or, you know, wild terrain and that sort of thing. So, you know, there's stuff you get to see that, you know, as much as you see the the negatives and all of that, you see the, you see some pretty special stuff. Um, And, you know, the, the reactions when you're able to reunite people back with people or, you know, the look on someone's face when you pluck them out, um, you know, and you're always learning. You're always picking stuff up. You know, there's always, yeah. You know, no matter how how long you've been doing it, you never you never been doing it long enough to not get caught with, you know, something that makes you feel like a bit of a goose or, oh gee, I learnt that and it's 
kind of probably should have known that or you know um you know i remember let's not do that again no well no that's it you know you know i got i got swallowed by a life raft once and then you know i'm not going to get eaten by a life raft again um, wait a minute what come so on we, um, man we um we'd, we'd winched a couple of guys off of a boat and um or their vessel had sunk and we pulled them out of the raft and the plan had been that a I think it was a police launch or a customs vessel was going to come and collect this raft and get it because it was going to be a danger to traffic. And um, we offloaded the, um, the crewman. And then um, we got a phone call back and said, look, the vessel has been retasked. We're going to have to go and get it scuttled because we'd left the beacon on so they could home to it. And they said, it's, it's, it's a distraction with that other beacon on and they're not going to get to the vessel for day uh, to the raft for a couple of days. We're going to have to send you back and scuttle it. Like, oh, okay. No worries. So we go back to it and the beacon was sitting in the raft. It hadn't been thrown out and into the water. So yeah. the um, stopper said, oh yeah, mate, I'll just put you in so you can grab the, grab the beacon. Like, yep, yeah, no worries. Then I don't have to climb through all the rope and all the stuff that was hanging off the outside of it. So he popped me in and I've grabbed the beacon and connected it onto my harness. And, oh, yep, got to scuttle it. And I popped the first, the first tube, um, the first ring, and it sunk a little bit. Now I've popped the second one and of course it's got, you know, a massive CO2 cylinder on the bottom of it in the middle of it, doesn't it? So it's just sort of, it's just started, <laughs> you know, not pulling me under, but certainly weighing me down. And it's just sort of wrapped around me like glad wrap. And I'm like, ah, oh, ah, oh. so I sort of, you know, winch me up a little bit, get this bit of rope off, winch me up a little bit. No, put me back down. I missed this bit of rope. And yeah, yeah. I was like in a Venus, a Venus flytrap of the ocean. <laughs> but, uh, but um, yeah, you know, but I'm never going to scuttle a life raft from the inside of it ever again. So I learned something. So duly uh, noted. Everyone on board. Everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not something uh, I think I would have thought of, eh? Be inside yeah. the raft, popping it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just where I was, you know, that's where the beacon was. So that's where I was sitting. And oh, I've got a knife. It needs to be popped. I'll do it from here. And uh, there's rope and tangles on the outside and, you know, hazards on the outside. So. I won't go out there where the hazards are. I'll stay here, but down it went. <laughs> no, so. don't take me under. Don't take me under. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're popping yeah, your own inflation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fortunately, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't super heavy. It just sort of closed around me and yeah. you know, it kept, yeah. But um, <laughs> I can't kick my feet anymore. It's just one of those things Damn where you fly back to base and you're sort of just kicking yourself. You're like, I can't believe that happened to me. I'm glad there's no cameras on this aircraft. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad there wasn't a fixed wing overhead with the camera on me. That's yeah. good. <laughs> it's dumb. Oh man. Yeah. 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 So that's but, you know, hilarious. it's that sort of stuff as well that yeah, you know, it's all funny. It's all um if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. So that's right. I say, if you're not having fun, you're not hanging out with me. I'm just saying. <laughs> True as well. True as well. <laughs> and we haven't, we've just started. This is going to be great. Yeah. We're going to have a great yeah. relationship. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> Wait it until is. you roast them. Oh, stop. Yes. Yes. Come on. Yes. Come on, borders. Open them yeah. up. You get it. Come on, Australia. Let's go. Yeah. We, we got a rescue server meeting to get to. Come on. We do. We do. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, Sam, I'll tell you what, man, I, I'm going to open the floor to you. You've given us such amazing advice and, and stories. If there's anything else you want to share, and it can be anything, uh, please do. I'm going to open the floor to you, whatever you want to pass on to younger generations, upcoming rescue swimmers, 
hoist operators tag your it. Oh, geez, that's a fair bit of pressure. Um, no, I know, look, right? I think just yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I'm yeah. I think just that whole find a way to enjoy it, keep learning. You know, that's that's as much as any of us can do. You know, every everyone's different. There's no um, there's no hard and fast rule. There's no one best way. Every aircraft type's different. Every contract set up's differently. Everyone's using slightly different equipment. You know, there's no point trying to force any one thing on anyone. You just got to keep learning, keep being open-minded and yeah, find a way to enjoy it. And yeah, even if you can't turn up to work every day and enjoy it, then, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe you need a break or whatever the case may be. But, um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing either. Sometimes, you know, sometimes guys work hard for too long and they just need a break. They need a breather. So, um, yeah, yep. but no, I don't think I've, I don't think I'm the one for wisdom and the like that can be globally applied or any, <laughs> any, any, anything like that. I probably need a bit more wisdom myself than anything else. Well, I, you know, actually, I like what you just said there about, you know, the gear not everybody's doing the same thing. Everything's a little bit different, you know, learn, 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 try, try it. There's no cook that we said before is there's no cookie cutter rescue. Everything's a little different you know that, yeah so yeah, every aircraft's true. a little different everything performs a little different utilize it the best of your ability everything's and you know as much as there's similarities everywhere you know everything's evolved differently in different places for different reasons and right. you know you can't go and be like oh you know they're doing it this way and because they're a pack of clowns it, it's not the case there's a, you know, no one's decided hey let's see how let's see the most risky way we can perform this no one's yeah. doing that it's just that <laughs> You know, they've either been isolated in a bubble and haven't, you know, haven't spoken with other people and work and have it, have been lucky enough not to learn from mistakes yet, or yeah, what it, how it's just evolved that way for some reason, but it, there's a reason behind all of it. And, you know, we just all need to chat, you know, the, the ideal thing is probably somewhere in the middle, but you know, it's even that's going to be tricky because no one's using exactly the same helicopter everywhere. You know, right. everything's configured slightly differently for different stretches, for different gear, for different, you know, different yep. hoists, different hooks. It's, yeah, yep. you just got to take the, listen to what people are doing and ask questions and take a broad brush approach and go, oh, look, these are the principles they're using. So let's, um, Love it. You know, these are the principles. Up. Oh, absolutely. It's guidelines. It's, 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 yeah. Here, it's a guide. It's recommendations. Yeah. I love yep. it. Sam good on you that's awesome man thank you so much i i really do appreciate you coming on and sharing these stories uh this this has been awesome for me and and to recap some of the stuff that now i i have even further backstory especially with the first incident you know because i i do i talk about that incident with a lot of people as far as pilot reference and training and you know yeah. how important it is and to hear it from the guy, the guy. Yeah, I got a guy. I know the guy. Yeah, the guy. The guy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. No, no worries it. at all. It's been, you know, it's been great to, um, great to come on. You know, you've had a, a pretty impressive selection of guests so far. To, so to get a Guernsey is, um, is pretty humbling. It's, um, yeah, yeah, it's been good. Thanks. I'm, I'm happy they just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's always the uh, first step. Right? Are you? Can, will you? Come on. <laughs> awesome. Well, man, I, 
keep in touch. I, I, I certainly will be in touch with you and, and, you know, we'll just, we'll keep this ball rolling and I'll hopefully see you at the uh, Eurosa meeting. So yes. Fingers crossed for Portugal. Right. Come on, baby. Yes. Yes. And until next time you fly safe, my friend. All right. We'll do man. You too. Thanks brother. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com that's jason at t-h-e-r-e-a-l-r-e-s-q.com you can also check us out on our web pages therealrescue.com our facebook page and our instagram page at therealrescue again a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today always remember when that star alarm goes off those in distress are praying for a miracle they are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>